You're listening to episode four of the Rebel Buddhist podcast, where we talk about how to use radical mindfulness to rewire our internal bias, specifically internalized racism, because the world can't wait any longer for us to take action. Welcome to the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we explore how to use the science of psychology, Eastern spiritual practices like mindfulness and compassion, and the game-changing work of self-coaching so you can free your mind and free your life. I'm your host, Anna Verzoni. Hey there, my friends. This week, I decided to not run the episode I had planned. Instead, I want to focus on what's more important right now, which is first acknowledging the racism that led to the murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and the many Black lives lost before them. One way I want to take action to address this is using this episode to teach about how people can become aware of our own internal biases and in particular, our own racism, and how to use mindfulness and thought work to be able to take skillful action for social justice and anti-racism. I'll be presenting other ways we can take action towards anti-racism and list additional resources in the show notes as well. Now, let's just start out by saying, I know I'm going to do this imperfectly. I identify as half brown and half white. I'm half Filipinx. My mom was an immigrant and came to the U.S. from the Philippines in her 30s. I grew up in East Palo Alto in a racially diverse community and within a tight-knit Filipino group. And for a long time, I thought that my background absolved me from the risk of being racist. After all, I didn't identify as white, and we had a lot of black friends. I mean, we've all heard that phrase lately, right? Mama Tella and Papa Moses were some of our closest family friends and like grandparents to me. And my parents never taught me anything negative about black people as far as I can recall. And at the age of 11, I called out an elder at our church for being racist. She made a racist remark about my black friend Ishmael and I chewed her out, calling her a hypocrite for tending to altar flowers and then saying racist things. <laughs> I totally thought my mom would kick my ass for that, but she didn't. So no, I didn't think I was racist or that I even had racist thoughts. But here's the deal. By being born in a society based on white supremacy, meaning one in which we are taught negative messages about black and brown people and positive messages about whiteness, I'm going to have racist thoughts, many of which I'm not aware of and did not consciously choose. But just because I did not consciously choose them does not mean they do not exist. And then there's the element of horizontal oppression, which is when people from targeted groups believe, act on, or enforce dominant systems of oppression against members of other targeted groups. So since we would experience racism and oppression in my Filipino community, especially among us who were poor, I saw the horizontal oppression of Blacks and other targeted groups going on within my own community. So I know I have racist thoughts. As a result, I know I'm likely going to make mistakes today while talking about this, but I'm not going to let fear of that keep me from trying to change things. You see, 
you can be raised by parents who are anti-racist and you don't have to identify as racist. All that can be true, but you can still have racist thoughts because of the society you grew up in. Trudy LeBron did a great training last week and gave some great analogies to this. Like, if you can believe that a patriarchal society that focuses on the positive messages about men sends you messages that you unconsciously take on about how being a woman is being less than, or how you receive messages about body image and self-worth that you unconsciously take on, or for those of you that may have done money mindset work and are aware of learning a scarcity mindset growing up, for example, if you can believe these things happen, that you receive these messages, well, this is the exact same thing that happens in a culture that's based on white supremacy, right? One where you receive negative messages about black and brown people and positive messages about whiteness. They are all related. And I remember as a kid how when people asked me what I was because I looked exotic, I'd first say I was Swiss, then that I was Filipino. I was very conscious about that, choosing to describe my whiteness first. And it wasn't until my late teens that I outwardly embraced my Filipino side and proudly state first that I was Filipino. And often I now even leave the half white part off, right? So yes, I have unconscious and unconscious racist thoughts from negative messages about black and brown and positive messages about whiteness. When we can acknowledge that we have racist thoughts, then we can do the anti-racist work. But you have to first become aware. It isn't helpful to pretend you don't have racist thoughts and just say, I believe all humans are equal and we are all one. That's not doing the work. We aren't going to get anywhere if we pretend that it's not going on. If we pretend that we are somehow the exception and are immune to these messages being sent to us from the day we were born. Born into a society built on stolen land from indigenous people and on the backs of stolen people from Africa, then we won't be doing the necessary work. If you are white and it's a trigger to hear this and you feel defensive, know that nothing is going wrong because of feeling triggered right now. It's part of the process. So hang here with me for a bit. Like I said, Often, this is where people, white people especially, fall into a cycle of shame and guilt. So I can see why so many people want to avoid this work, right? But we can't ignore it. Not wanting to feel uncomfortable is why so many people are not examining their thoughts, their racist thoughts. They're afraid that if they admit they have these thoughts, that it also means they are an immoral person, an evil person, a bad person. They are assigning a judgment of who they are as a person if they admit to having racist thoughts. They equate that our thoughts are us. But the Buddha taught you are not your thoughts. So having racist thoughts is different from taking racist action. Now, if we have racist thoughts over and over and they become beliefs, or if we have racist thoughts and we are not aware of them, then we're more likely to take racist actions. But thoughts and actions are not the same. That's very important to grasp if you're resistant to this idea of having racist thoughts because you want to protect your moral identity. We need to be willing to not identify with our thoughts so that we can work with them. 
when we can admit that we have these thoughts, then we can take the next steps. This work is so important because beliefs are thoughts we've had over and over, and thoughts create our feelings, which drive our actions and create the results we want in life. So if we want to take anti-racist action, if we want a more just world, we need to see our current thoughts and be willing to see them in their entirety and then work on those. That is the long view. And this work is uncomfortable. But so much of what I teach is that we need to learn to be uncomfortable. That's why so much of my work is around building emotional resilience. Being uncomfortable is where the true growth happens. And we can learn to be more resilient to do that. And so many of us don't want to be uncomfortable. As Dr. Martin Luther King said, you know, large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice, equality, and humanity. Here's the thing. Our meditation and mindfulness practices help us take this on. They help us with emotional resilience. For me, the point of meditation, mindfulness, and spiritual practice is not to feel happy all the time, to be tranquil all the time, or even to get to neutral all the time. The teachings on equanimity for me are not intended to flatten the human experience. My practice is not to feel peaceful all the time and just let go of any action because it's all empty in the end or something like that. There is a way to do spiritual work that doesn't lead to showing up. But I want to invite you to do the work in the way that you can show up. You can use your practice to be able to be with shame and guilt. Because not being able to be with shame and guilt and be uncomfortable often leads to inaction and trying to protect our self-image and perceived morality. And we need more people taking action. One of the main practical purposes of our practice is to not let your mind be swayed by emotions that lead you to not show up as your best self, as a human wanting to make the world a better place, to encourage you to investigate your mind, to see the results it is creating in your life, and to ask yourself if you want to continue that way. For me, mindfulness is a tool for individual liberation that leads us to more skillful action for social justice. It's to help us show up as better humans, be more kind, compassionate, and courageous, and not be attached to ego preservation and how people might think of us. So we can use mindfulness to help us be with difficult emotions. And this is important. Because after we become aware of our thoughts, then we need to acknowledge our emotions that arise from those thoughts. Fear, guilt, anger, shame. You know, it's understandable to have the thought and belief that white people should feel shame and guilt about white supremacy. And indeed, shame and guilt can sometimes lead to short-term action. So I'm not saying to not do that. By all means, take those feelings like guilt and the action they inspire and do something right now. But as a coach, what I've seen is that for the long haul, we need to also change our beliefs. And a belief is a thought that we've had over and over again. So we need to address those thoughts. 
Changing beliefs is what truly affects long-term change and leads to sustainable action being taken. And to do that, we need to be okay being uncomfortable with the parts of us we aren't proud of that show up as we do this work. Because humans are driven to seek pleasure, avoid pain, and do what's easy, most people want to avoid examining their biased thoughts when they feel guilt and shame about those thoughts. It's uncomfortable. And less change in the world results than if they had a different approach. If guilt and shame motivated positive productive action, then that's one thing. But for most people, after the initial short-term action, it leads to incapacitation, denial, buffering with wine or weed at the end of the day, checking out, right? Like when I was doing free coaching calls during the initial weeks of COVID, people thought negative emotions like anxiety and worry led to effective change, like being prepared. But upon further inquiry, you can see that really emotions like anxiety and worry led to people just spinning and binge watching Netflix and inaction. It was determination, commitment, compassion, and caring for others that help people wear masks and follow social distancing guidelines, for example. Similarly, now I have clients who call and say, I'm ashamed to be white and I don't know what to do. First, let's just acknowledge that it can actually be more burdensome on a black person to hear a white person say, I'm disgusted or ashamed or embarrassed to be white. Yada, yada, right? Because it automatically makes it about a white person's feelings again, and the black person needs to then digest that and decide if or how to respond. However, in the context of you doing your work with a coach or with yourself or with your peers, it's important to recognize this is going on and to find the thoughts that are creating that and address it so you don't stay stuck or in inaction. When people are in shame, they're not out there doing important things. They're spinning in shame. The shame becomes an indulgent feeling that doesn't lead to effective action. So let's take a minute to explore the difference between shame and guilt. In general, guilt is about what we did and shame is about who we are. Guilt is useful to us as humans because it's part of our moral compass Guilt can lead to awareness of something not being in alignment, that we are not acting according to our values and beliefs. This is a good thing. It helps us be aware, and in the short term, it can help us take some immediate action. Shame, on the other hand, leads to a judgment about who we are as a person and leads us to unskillful action or total inaction. So what emotion will lead to productive and sustainable long-term action, to truly skillful action? We need to use mindfulness and thought work to be curious about our own thinking, our own minds, so we can learn what the more effective thought and emotion is for us, because it's very individual. There is no universal truth about the emotion that is going to be the most effective for everyone or for you. What thought is going to help you take effective action is individual. So you have to discover that. And in the process, we need to not judge our thoughts or identify with them so that we truly see them. Having racist thoughts does not define who you are. So people need to stop being afraid of seeing them. 
When you can accept that and stop judging yourself for your thoughts, you can let go of protecting your moral image and be more willing to introspect, to get curious. In a related way, many people also don't take action or speak up because they're afraid of doing it wrong or of being criticized or judged. Well, when we admit we are not perfect, that we have racist thoughts and that we're trying to unlearn them, then we're not as afraid to take action. When someone points out how we messed up, instead of getting defensive, we can say, you're right. And then we can listen and learn. We need to be honest with ourselves about our internalized racism, our biases. We need to not be afraid of being wrong or of others being wrong about us. Then we will show up in a more vocal way instead of staying silent to protect ourselves. Look, as humans, we are bad at feeling negative emotion. So the fear of them keeps people incapacitated a lot of the time. But you have to be willing to feel negative emotion to do hard things like anti-racism and social justice work. So can you see how guilting and shaming tends to cause avoidance? And white people already have the unearned privilege to avoid the issue, so it's not helpful in the long run. I want to encourage you to, as my teacher, Geshe Tsultrim Geltsin said, check your mind. See your internal biases, your internalized racist thoughts. I want to encourage you to use any guilt you might have as a signal that things are out of alignment with your values and that things need to change. I want to encourage you to not indulge in feeling shame and spinning into inaction. I want to encourage you to not identify with your thoughts. I want you to see that those thoughts are optional and that you can unlearn them. Remember that this is a long-term process, not a thing you get a certificate for and you're done. And while you do this very important work, I want you to take action now because the world cannot wait for everyone to get their shit together. As Rachel Rogers said in her Instagram live, white people are afraid of taking a risk. Take risks. Use your privilege and donate, support, fund, and hire in an anti-racist way. Be explicit, not just intentional. It should be no surprise to people that you are anti-racist. Work for equity instead of talking about equality. Focus on inclusion instead of talking about supporting diversity. Sign up for Rachel Cargill's free 30-day anti-racism course. Follow her on Instagram at at rachel.cargill. Read Leila Syed's book, Me and White Supremacy, and participate in discussions about it. Check out White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. For donating, donate to the Minnesota Freedom Fund, the official GoFundMe George Floyd Memorial Fund, and the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. Amplify Black Voices. I've got a list of voices that I encourage you to check out in the show notes. This being human thing is hard. I get it. Being a Black human in the United States of America is harder. You are capable of more than you ever thought possible. You are. So we need you to warrior up and do the work. Take risks. Do not tolerate any more racist bullshit. Speak up. Call people out. 
You can do all this from a place of fierce compassion and love and do it with a loud rebel heart. Heart.